Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, my dear friends, to the month of March. Welcome to Navigate with I.D. Enang. As always, it's indeed a pleasure and honor to host this beautiful program and to welcome you to this fantastic journey of learning. As you're aware, we've been looking at the subject of acquiring business acumen. And in the month of February, we went through very dimensions of business and understanding the rudiments of what it takes to be in business. During the last episode, we talked about branding our businesses and how important it was for you and I to ensure that we brand our businesses. In this month, I want to start with a topic that is very critical, and that has to do with ethics in business. Very many people are today in business but have no clue as to what is ethical and what should be considered business ethics. One of the biggest challenges you will face as an entrepreneur or business leader or business owner has to do with ethics. So what do you mean by ethics? Ethics are moral guidelines which govern good behavior. So behaving ethically is doing what is morally right. Behaving ethically in business is widely considered and regarded as good business practice. And so what do I want to share with you, my dear friends? I want to share with you very important nuggets that will help you, especially if you are in business today, aspiring to be a business owner or you are a business leader. This particular topic cuts across the broad spectrum. As long as you are doing something within the business circles, you need to understand the underlying issues and how to deal with ethics. So what do you need to know? Number one, acting ethically is the right thing to do, but it is not always easy. I can say that to you with every sense of dignity, humility, and honesty. Acting ethically is the right thing to do, but it is not always easy. There comes a time in the course of your business or your work as a leader where you have to choose between doing what is right and doing what you think or maybe perceive to be right. They are two different things. And at that junction or at that juncture, many people fail the simple test of ethics. Number two, ethical decision-making is based on core character values like trustworthiness, respect, responsibility, fairness, caring, and good citizenship. When you find someone or an establishment, a business enclave, taking the right decisions that are ethically inclined, then you understand that such an entity or business leader or business owner does have 
core character values, which sit around moments of responsibility, respect, and care. Number three, some decisions require that you prioritize and choose between competing ethical values and principles. In this country of ours every day, the average business leader, business owner, entrepreneur, ordinary citizen is in a dilemma because he or she or the institution always has to prioritize and to make that choice between competing ethical values, principles, and what we consider the norm. Nigeria is in such a precipice of unethical dimensions that, unfortunately, over time, what is wrong becomes what is right. And those that do what is right become those that are the minority, all in a space of a sweeping second. And people are faced with these choices every day. Sometimes we wonder, why are the wrong things becoming the right things? It is simply because there's a jaded affair. There's a jaded understanding of ethical values and principles. Number four, when you find a competing threshold of ethical values and what should be, oftentimes it is important to conform to a high standard of conduct. And it is not about clear-cut right and wrong decisions, but it's about choosing the lesser of two evils. Sometimes it is about choosing the lesser of two evils. I tell you, as you all are listening right now, I'm sure if you are a business owner in this country, you have had many times had to choose between two evils. Of course, you'll always go for the lesser of the two evils. But I want to let you understand that conforming to a high standard of conduct is not about clear-cut right and wrong decisions, but it is about looking through the maze and making sure that what you are taking as a decision is morally right within the context and framework of the business or entity you represent. Number five, most businesses have defined sets of core ethical values or code of ethics or codes of business conduct to guide their business decisions and actions. So as a young entrepreneur, a young business owner, you may say, I do not need it because I am not in a limited liability business type model, or I'm not in a core partnership model. I'm just ID and Sons Ventures, simple me, simple business name, I'm running my business. I do not need a code of business conduct. No, it applies to everyone. In fact, when you have a set of core ethical values being put down by your humble self for the organization, and it's all agreed, documented, and everybody's made to go through that process, you have just started a journey of building an ethically driven organization and business where people are very clear on what is and what isn't, where people are very clear in terms of what happens when it comes to people, 
what, what happens to corporate citizenship, what happens in terms of how you approach your business, what happens how you source for ingredients if you are in manufacturing, what happens when you need to market your products, what happens when you have to make payments, what happens when you want to do any financial transaction. All of these are items that should be baked and clearly spelled out in your code of business conduct. I have had a singular pleasure and honor and grace by God to have worked for some very great companies. And today, you will find that one of the things that has made companies stand so well because of the word ethics. Today, we have ethically driven businesses. And that's why even when the mud comes, splashes as such entities, they stand because of the strong ethical values that such institutions or businesses have for themselves. And so, friends, if you want your business to stay in the future, which is now, you must start by defining what those set of core values will be, what those codes of ethics will be, and how you want people to see your business, whether the partners, whether they are external, whether they are internal, or whatever shape and form they want to call themselves, they must understand that you are in business for the future. And reputation-wise, ethics is what will make all of that come to pass. As entrepreneurs and business leaders, it is very important for you to understand how ethical decision-making will contribute to the future of your business. Now, it's important that I highlight this very well. Is doing something unethical the same as doing something illegal? In many cases, there is overlap between what most people view as right or wrong and what the law dictates. That is always a place of a dilemma. So, ethics and law, you would look at that from a lens and ask the question, what is illegal versus what is unethical? When we talk about business decisions, it becomes important to differentiate between what is illegal and what is unethical. Ethics are about what is right and what is wrong. Law is about what is lawful and what is unlawful. When it comes to applying ethics to running your business, decisions become more difficult because many times taking the ethical route is not the fastest, easiest, or the most profitable. I want you to understand that when it comes to applying ethics to running your business, the kind of decisions that you want to take, they become extremely difficult because most cases, taking the ethical route is not typically the fastest, neither is it the easiest, nor is it the most profitable. For example, if you could increase your profits and grow your business faster by not providing, say, health insurance for employees, would you do it? 
I know of several employers who typically will not even accost their employees the privilege of enjoying their pensions, all because of profits. So what would you say in such cases? Just like I've talked about, if you, as an employer, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, could increase your profits and grow your business faster by not providing the necessary elements that will make your employees much better, like health insurance or their pensions. Would you do it? And in what space would you place yourself? Those are the things we talk about when we talk about what is illegal versus what is unethical. It's about ethics and it's about law. Friends, very many times ethical challenges are exacerbated by commonly held myths. Those myths can cloud our judgment when we are involved in making very tough ethical decisions. What do you understand by myth? I know many of us may wonder, what is a myth? Many of us thrive in myths because they become self-fulfilling prophecies. So let me give you some of those myths that come in the course of us as businessmen, as businesswomen, business leaders, or entrepreneurs. One myth is it's just part of the job or business. How do I describe this? Very many people often compartmentalize ethics into two categories, private and business or job-related. Fundamentally, decent people may often feel justified doing things at work or in a business situation that they know to be wrong in other contexts. And all do they say, it's just part of the job. It doesn't have anything to do with me. Or it's just part of the business. You are already compromised ethically. And that's why you find in situations at work, a lot of people ultimately get fired because they do not know where the crooked lines are sitting. They look at them as woolly lines, but in their minds, they look at it and see it as just part of the job. A second myth, which is most appalling, but you find in our society, in our system, within our culture, is the myth called everyone is doing it. Everybody is doing it. This is a very strong false safety in numbers. When you say everybody's doing it, we see people do the wrong things and we say because they, the majority seem to be doing it, then it must be right. It's a false safety in numbers rationale that often confuses cultural, organizational, or occupational behaviors and customs as ethical norms. So you find people confuse cultural, occupational behaviors and those customs as ethical norms. As you're listening to me now, I'm sure you're used to hearing everybody's doing it. 
so I can do it. Everybody is going through, so I can. That is part of what we call a serious ethical challenge. Last year during COVID, there were several ethical challenges that many people were confronted with. Some stood their grounds, but very many failed that simple test because they went on the false rationale of safety numbers. Beware. A third myth which I want to bring to your attention is I have got it coming. This is my own reward or this is my own due reward. Now my time be this. A lot of people who feel that they've been overworked or underpaid rationalize that minor pets like doing little things, accepting favors here. Some go to the extent of abusing the sick leave platform. Over time, the personal use of office tools, even office supplies, are nothing more than fair compensation for services rendered. When you sit in a place, you'll find some of the staff tell you, oh boy, leave me alone, this is my own due reward. Since I cannot follow them to do what they are doing there, let me enjoy my own here. And what do you find there? Many times, business owners also, they get totally dysfunctional because the staff have keyed into some of the dysfunctionality that the system that does not have well-clarified codes of business conduct, when it is laid bare and open, everybody does what they like. And so when the staff feel that the system or the business is stealing from them or underpaying them, they do not feel that their, their record and their work is being appreciated. What do they do? They look for other ways. And so, for example, someone will just sit back and tell you, I've gone to the doctor, forge some kind of sick leave report, bring it and send the relative to go and drop it at the office because you see it as part of your reward. How? It's casual leave. I'm entitled to X number of days. I have not collected it since I started in this office. I beg, let me do it not the first time, Joe. Why? Because everyone is doing it. This is wrong, friends. Ethics, ethics, ethics. Let me touch on another myth. The other myth that a lot of us fall through the cracks with when we start telling ourselves that if it is legal and permissible, then it is proper. What you find in this setting is that this substitutes legal requirements for personal moral judgment. This alternative does not embrace the full range of ethical obligations. Very many times in the course of business, especially in, say, an industry, you'll find like companies that are in the same sector, they will sit back and they will decide to do one thing together, not knowing that in the process of looking at this from their lens, they may be crossing the boundaries and substituting legal requirements for their own personal moral judgment. Because they say, 
if it is legal and it's allowable, then it is proper. I don't know what ethical challenge you're going through, but friends, I still have some myths which I want to share with you. Remember, in this whole period and space, when we are looking at business world, it's important that a lot of us begin to get schooled in what is proper and what is right. We cannot, as a people, continue to do the things that are wrong and expect that things will change. Things don't change. They only change when the people decide to do what is right. I've said to you before that if Nigeria is going to turn around, Nigeria is not going to turn around because foreigners have come to help Nigeria. Nigeria is not going to turn around because foreign businessmen through foreign direct investments or even Nigerians abroad sending money home will make Nigeria turn around. Nigeria will turn around when the average Nigerian is productive, when the average Nigerian sees and understands that doing business here and ethically so will ultimately keep us as a people safe, will keep us as a country safe. And at the end of the day, when we say yes, our yes will be yes. When we say no, our no will be no. And so when you look at ethical challenges and the myths, for example, everyone is doing it. I want you to look at you know, different facets of your life today. Even as an individual, when there's a traffic jam, when you have something, just a blockade of sorts, and you find everybody going on the other side of the road, have you tried to travel on Legacy Baron Expressway or any of the major express ways that we have, either to Benin? And maybe you find there's probably some obstruction ahead. You find people go on the other side. How come we have naturally now defaulted into doing what is wrong? And it is even more appalling that even as we sit today, if you live in Lagos and you've been going through the third mainland bridge, you'll find motorcyclists, you will find vehicles belonging to paramilitary law enforcement agencies coming in the opposite direction. And guess what? They have the right of way. How and why? You will find it is because the next time a citizen will do it, he or she will tell you, everyone is doing it. We need to stop it. It doesn't make us better. We are on the pathway of taking ourselves out of what is right. And let us also stop the behavior that this is my own reward. This is my time. And that is how a young man will get in as a councillor or a local government chairman or gets in as a governor, and maybe someday finds himself in a committee that he has been called to serve, he will sit there and say, it is our time. It is my time. It is our time for us to take our own rewards. Why do we do such? Because we are ethically challenged in our minds. These myths have become self-fulfilling prophecies. And the time has come as a people that we need to turn that around. I'll be coming back on the second half of this program to walk us through some other myths and hopefully we'll begin to see and change our attitude as business people, entrepreneurs,
business leaders, or even if you are employees in a business, you know that living and working ethically is the only sustainable way that we can have a proper productivity and future. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening so far. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome back, dear friends, from the break. I hope you have had a great time so far during the first half of this wonderful program brought to you by MTN and it's Navigate with IDNANG. Just in case you are joining us for the first time, I bid you welcome. We've been looking at a beautiful subject about ethics in business. And perhaps you've also not been following the trajectory in which we've been you know, going through the last few sessions. It's been centered around how we can raise our business acumen. And so we've been delving into different topics, all centered around business, just to make the average business owner, business worker, entrepreneur, employer, employee, to make the best of what they have at all times. And so today, as we consider the topic, ethics in business, we try to define ethics as moral guidelines which govern good behavior, and that the fact that we behave ethically is doing what is morally right. And behaving ethically in business is widely regarded as good practice. And so we also went on to say that as entrepreneurs and business leaders and business owners, it is important for us to understand how ethical decision-making will contribute to the future of our businesses, of whatever we are doing, whether as employees, employers, or owners. And the big question we asked ourselves is doing something unethical, the same as doing something illegal. And so we give an example that if you could increase your profits in your business and grow your business faster by not providing health insurance for your employees, would you do it? Where would you tilt? Many today are running foul of that. That is unethical. Why? Because you know that what you should do is to ensure that your employees are healthy. When they are healthy, they are able to give their best. And when they give their best, the business is able to thrive. And when the business thrives, you will then make profit, not at the expense of the health of your colleagues, employees, or partners, whatever the case may be. And so we went on to establish the fact that ethical challenges are typically exacerbated by commonly held myths. And there were four of them that we looked at in the first half, but two jumped out so well that I emphasized so much on them. One was everyone is doing it. And the fact that this is my own due time and season to get my reward. Let me step into the fifth myth, which has to do with a mindset that if it is necessary, it is ethical. What do I mean? When you find people go through this pathway, this approach often leads to the end justifies the means. That type of reasoning and treating non-ethical tasks 
or goals as moral imperatives. Necessity is an interpretation and not a fact. A lot of people tend to fall into the false necessity trap because they overestimate the cost of doing the right thing and underestimate the cost of failing to do so. How do you know this? Especially when you go into the import and export business, that's where you'll be challenged, friends, where you have to ferry your goods across the border, whether it's across the border or whether you need to bring it by land, sea or air, whichever way, you will then understand that necessity is an interpretation and not a fact. The sixth myth that you find us so much into and engulfed in, especially in businesses, it doesn't hurt anyone. After all, now we pain. It doesn't hurt anyone. When you see people sit around this rationalization, it is used to excuse misconduct when violating ethical principles so long as no clear and immediate harm is perceived. Think about what our people have done, especially those that go to import medication, drugs, how they go, bring them in, substandard drugs, substandard products. I wonder how someone can walk out of here and go to a far country, go and you know, manufacture tires and tell them, that the tires should be made with less lesser trading. Why? Because you want to make profits. How can you do such? And do you bring such tires back into the country, sell them, and then people will buy them. Tomorrow, we start having crashes. Why would you do a thing like that? Because in your mind, it doesn't hurt anyone. Or perhaps Mr. Politician, who has done everything year on year, you find the budget of the local government, the state, or in the federal, that item, that budget item, you will see either the repair of a particular road or buying a certain equipment repeating itself year on year. But they will always tell you, oh, get someone at the back here. Let him just put some sand on top of the road because it doesn't hurt anyone. Oh, we are going to project for health centers. Primary health has always been a discussion I hear on television. From the days of Ulukiri Ransom Kitty was the best time primary health care in Nigeria ever took its best term. From that time till now, it's only been verbose words. Why? Because those that sit in power or those that you consider to be the ones driving the society keep saying it doesn't hurt anyone. Or do you want to speak about COVID? It's just a joke. When you look at vaccines that are being even promoted, you hear 100,000. For who? 100,000. And you ask yourself, for what population? When it is necessary, we talk about being giants of Africa. We talk about being the most populous black nation. But guess what? This rationalization is used to excuse misconduct when violating ethical principles, when you find that in the society where aid is used or the population is used to generate aid that is meant to feed the people or to bless the people and the officials turn around and clear those things and put them in private pockets. Why? It's a myth. It's an ethical challenge because when you step into government or you step into a public office, you become an overnight billionaire.
it doesn't hurt anyone. That myth, friends, has become a bad rationalization that we use in this country to excuse misconduct. And so are businessmen and businesswomen. You better go to some of the restaurants where you eat. Do, a, do me a favor. Next time you go to any of these eateries, pretend as if you are going through the back and go and see the state of affairs and where they are serving or cooking the meals that they bring to the forefront. The front looks so nice, but when you go to the back end, which is meant to be checked by health officials, but those health officials go there and they are given very good meat to eat by the time and take away. By the time they've finished and they walk away, what do they say? Approved. Or do you want to look at our streets? A lot of our residential areas have become plum high streets. Why? Because it doesn't hurt anyone that you convert a residential area to ultimately becoming a business area, a high street. And later, you wonder why there's so much crime. Friends, it doesn't hurt anyone is a myth. And this rationalization has been used to excuse misconduct, especially when violating ethical principles. The seventh myth I'll present for your consideration. We hear people say it is for a good cause. This is a very seductive rationale that loosens interpretations of deception, concealment, conflict of interest, favoritism, nepotism, and violations of established rules and procedures. You find people weaving, ah, it's for a good cause. Let, let him let him let us do it. It's for a good cause. But you know it's a seductive rationale. It will bring in that loose interpretation of deception. Why do we do those things? You know deep in your heart that the reason why you're going into this business is not because you want to help the poor, not because you want to help those that are disadvantaged one way or the other, but because you want to line your pockets. You will go and apply for a certain license from the government, and the government gives you an automatic fiat. You turn around and take that same license to do some other things that are uncanny. And then in the forefront, they are seeing you say it's for a good cause, but in the real sense, you are not fighting for any cause. Why do we do these things, friends? It's because people do not understand what it takes to be ethically correct and to do business ethically. Especially in a climate like Nigeria, where everything and anything goes, where higher officials supervise higher official, and where corruption reigns supreme, you will always find it's for a good cause coming through because the people that are already in are conflicted. Conflict of interest is a daily occurrence. Friends, the only way you can escape the seduction of this particular myth is wherever you are, when you step out and say, this particular item cannot hold because I am currently conflicted. How am I conflicted? I have a stake in this, or this is my perspective. And so because I am involved in one way or the other, it would not be a proper thing for me to do. When can we ever find very honest men? I thank God because I found it in the world where jobs are not scarce. Only faithful men are. And so don't tell me that jobs are scarce. 
What is cursed are faithful men, men who will stand for what is right, women who will stand for what is right, and be able to look ethical challenges in the face and the faces and say, no, you can't be cloud my judgment. You cannot ask me to do X, and then you are presenting Y. It is wrong. Some of us want to import our vehicles. We will start looking for officials that will help us underwrite it. Why do we do that? Or you want to import goods. Yes, you know that the code that will allow you pay duty speaks to a certain code. You will bring it in as why. Just because you want to say otherwise. Oh, it's for a good cause. We are bringing all of this because of COVID. And underneath it, 10% COVID, 90% your pocket. 10% COVID materials, 90% will be materials you are coming to sell. Nothing to do with COVID. Yet the license given to you was to save lives. Why do we get into business and do things that are morally bankrupting? Friends, it's the absence of ethics. Let me step on this myth. This particular myth, I'm just fighting the fire with fire. It is a false assumption that promise breaking, lying, and other kinds of misconduct, they are justified if they are routinely engaged in by those with whom we are relating with. You find people lie. We lie blatantly. You know, these days you rarely can even tell. You have, starting from the government officials, they come on television and open their eyes and tell you lies. They move on to their subordinates, they tell you lies. You move them to families, there are lies. You move them to businesses, there are lies because they're just fighting fire with fire. When you lie, you need another lie to cover the last lie and you continue lying until you a heap of lies. Who knows what the true, the true position is? An example, you keep hearing rumors, petroleum products till this day, after how many years? We just celebrated 60 years. Imagine a 60-year-old man that cannot tell you how much he spends on food. Is that man 60? Or he has the brain of a 15-year-old or a toddler? There's something wrong. It is wrong because ethical challenges have eaten into and beclouded our judgments at the people. Friends, making ethical choices in business requires the ability to make distinctions between competing options. And so I'm going to reel out some principles that hopefully would help you and then will help you to look at this very well. This particular subject, I'm going to spend some good time on it because we need to begin to look at things differently. We can't continue living in a lie. At least, if you have listened to this program, and listen to this, you can never say, I didn't know, or I don't know. No, that word will count on the day of judgment. Number one, stop and think. Stop and think. This provides several benefits. It prevents rash decisions. It will prepare us for more thoughtful discernment and can allow us to mobilize our discipline. Whenever you are faced with a place where you know, friends, you know it, and I know it because we are human beings. 
you know when your conscience is pricking you. At that point in time, he's saying, stop and think. But those that have their consciences seared, do not think again. They don't stop. They just go ahead. But if that moral compass that God has placed in you called the conscience is pricking you, then please stop and think. Because at that point, you're about to make an ethical choice. Number two, ensure you clarify objectives. Determine which of your many wants and don't wants affected by the decision are the most important. You must always determine which of your many wants are affected by the decision. The big danger is that decisions that fulfill immediate wants and needs can prevent the achievement of our more important life goals. You don't know that you take a certain decision this way, you may not even leave to witness the outcomes. Or you may just go on a trajectory of doing something that you think will fulfill your immediate needs, and boom, before you know it, it becomes catastrophic. Number three, what is this ethical choice that you need to make? And the need for you to make some distinctions. You must always determine the facts. To determine the facts, you must first resolve what you know. Then what you need to know. Be prepared for additional information and to verify assumptions and other uncertain information. We are in a world now of digital everything, digital assets, digital currencies. Many people are running crypto, crypto. I hope you will not become crippled. But those that do not have a good heart, if your heart is already in a place where you just have greed, 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 it will consume the life of the owner. And such people will not sit down to determine the facts. What is this whole thing? This coin, that coin, simply because you want to buy that plush car. It's not because you want to fail your education. I tell you, I would really love to see a young man or young woman who's engaged in whatever digital space, taking the proceeds to send him or herself to a great school ahead, sowing into the future. But rather, most of them want to drive either the best cars, wear the best clothes, to impress the people that do not even like them. Number four, always develop options. Once you know what you want to achieve and you have made your best judgment as to the relevant facts, you need to make a list of actions you can take to accomplish your goals. And in developing options, I beg of you, you must always have people that you can hold as your accountability partners. Someone you can just, you know, phone a friend. Think about it as 50-50. In doubt, ask. Make it an option. Before you get to that point to accomplish your goal, you must put it as an action point in order to accomplish that well-meaning goal. The fifth tip or suggestion I'll put on the table, friends, is that please consider consequences. Very many times when we make some choices, we do not think about consequences. 
My father in the faith had always taught me there are chances, there are choices, and there are consequences. I beg you by the message of God, friends, filter your choices to determine if any of your options will violate any core ethical values and then eliminate any unethical options. Consider consequences. Consequences will always put you in a space to say, if I take this route, what would be the attendant consequences that may happen? If many people that do wrong for their own selves without realizing it, they would understand that it's enlightened self-interest that they should do what is right. So imagine a man travels abroad and goes ahead to buy or manufacture substandard drugs and then brings them back into the country and a relative of his or even his own children fall ill for some reason. You know how the karma is? For some reason, the same medication is what is served on the child and then imagine what would happen. The child or the relation gets beaten by a bug that was self-inflicted by a member of the family who was thinking of only profits. Friends, whenever you want to step into any business decision, any business you want to run, consider the consequences because you need to filter your choices. The sixth point I'll make here is to choose right. When making a decision, if the choice is not immediately available for you to test as an option, everyone around you will be under pressure. But you know what? If you choose to hold on by buying time, even if all the pressures in the world are on you, buy time, buy time, you would end up becoming proud and comfortable because you bought that small time. Many times when we are about to take a decision in business or career or our lives, especially when we get into that ethical dilemma, buying time is a great resource, but most of us do not look at it in that guise. And I want to tell you, friends, that it's very important that we consider these aspects in whatever we do, because that is what makes everything glow in the fullness of time. I truly like the fact that when you're looking at consequence management, the word ethics comes with it in full glare. People always wonder, how does it happen that somebody will do something and not be penalized for it? Yes, you would. You would be penalized. How do I know? Because penalties must come because they are consequences. So, my dear friends, as I begin to wind down, a focus on strong ethical business practices can improve short-term financial performance for your business and ultimately leads to sustained long-term value creation in the following ways. Number one, revenue. A focus on strong ethical business practices will grow your top line and your earnings. Number two, a focus on strong ethical business practices will improve and drive your brand and reputation. You will have great equity and trust 
and improved relationships with your stakeholders, including governments and regulators, because you've chosen to be ethically driven. Number three, our focus on strong ethical business practices will help you reduce legal and regulatory costs. It will help you reduce it in such a way that what you are, all the konakona you are doing, konakona business, in Swahili, they say chinichini, in Kenya, if you are doing any chinichini business and it's unethical, trust me, the day you turn the leaf and make it ethical, you reduce the legal, potential legal and regulatory costs. And finally, a focus on strong ethical business practices will always give you a competitive edge. It will differentiate you from your competitors. And in the days to come, I'm going to touch on each of these four aspects and bring to you the benefits of ethics. And I will spell out each of these benefits for you so that as Nigerians and as Nigerian businessmen, as whatever country or native or citizen you are, as long as you are a global citizen doing business globally, you know that ethics is the number one enabler to sustainable business. If you don't know it, the time will come that will tell you some things. And in the course of this series, I will also share with you some tidbits from my diary in the course of my having to walk through the pathway as an individual, in my career, as a family man, and in all other aspects, even as a businessman, or in whatever shape and form you may look at it. I'll be saying to you, friends, that it is better to have ethics on your side than to be unethical. Why do I say this? Because I know that you are faced with ethical dilemmas every day. Not even talking about that in a country like Nigeria, where we don't even have anything written for us to understand. Well, friends, we're getting to the point where we need to say goodbye. If you do have any questions for me, I'll implore you to please, on the subject, send me an email to contact at navigatewithid.com. The ID is spelled IDY. And you must title this my ethical dilemma, or I need help. You must state the problem you're facing and why you think it's an ethical dilemma, what you have done, and what you need to do differently, and what help we may render by way of advice. If you do not have a time to send an email, you can follow me across my social media platforms. My handle is at IDYENANG on Twitter, Instagram, and of course, Facebook. Any of these platforms, I'll be more than happy to support you. And let's go together in understanding the essence of ethics as we look at ethics in business continually. Thank you so much. And I wish you a very prosperous month. And I wish you the very best in your businesses. And as I always say, your best days are still ahead. Don't flaunt it. Or... Don't get it off mark now. It is too late for you to do things unethically. It's time to do the right things so we can get the right results. Thank you. And God bless. Goodbye.
And that was Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.